Hey, fans, welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. This is Ryan Parker. Hey, Ryan, that uh, that rap music you just played. Yeah. Welcome back, baby. So, <laughs> so You've been I gone go for this, ages. I go to this spinning class at the gym on Saturday morning, and this dude plays rap music and hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And I look, I look around this gym, okay? I'm, the, I'm 50, and I'm the youngest person in this spin class. Yeah. Everybody's white, white as can be. Love it. And this guy is playing songs with the N-word in it. I'm looking around like, dude. Read, read the room. Yeah, read, like, know your audience, dude. Are they, are and they he's into like it? singing along. He's like, come on, you guys, I, I know you know the words of this. I'm like, I've never heard of this song before. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, chances are a 70-year-old grandma over here pumping away hadn't either. So thanks a lot for introing me with rap music, but I'm glad to be back. It's been a long time. Too long. I mean, it was like the spring, then we took the summer off, and then... We took kind of the late summer off, and then it went into the fall. We've seen several good series come and go that we could talk yeah. about, but it just feels like in this fast-moving media, yeah, everything feels old. It was a little bit of a lull in the early fall, I thought. There, there weren't a lot of great shows, but I, was, I spent the summer... I didn't have a lot of time to watch TV in the summer. I, I've had a few plane flights, and I've caught up on Master of None, which I think this second season was absolutely brilliant. You could say masterful even. I I would love to talk to you about it. And especially with the interviews Aziz Anasari did about how he was leaving social media and how lonely of a person he is. Yeah. And how social media was making him feel more lonely and isolated. Yeah. I mean, you, the, the palpable sense of how much he wants to be in love and be married comes through in that show. It's, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's heartbreaking. And the connect, the uh, desire for connection, man. Yeah, Authentic I haven't connection. I haven't, and I haven't watched all of Ozark yet. I, I, you know, I've got like two or three episodes left to go, but so I got to crank that out. But what we're talking about today is a new western. I love this. Yeah. I love. I love a good genre. I like. I like genre pieces and i like good installments of those i think godless is a good western i don't know if it's great it could have been great uh now granted i'm about halfway through your two episodes in yeah um i think it's already what we've seen in the first two episodes it, there's some things that limit it kind of from rising to the next level but i do well, think it's good and that. worth talking about we're gonna t- there are seven episodes in this first season it's a limited series we're gonna talk about the first we'll probably talk about two episodes and two more and then the last three i'm guessing in over the that next sounds good yeah i want to start with something wanna, why don't you just say a quick word I, about what it's about criticism i, I want to oh yeah okay well godless is about uh, a, a town in colorado in really in the wild west days kind of like post um the railroad's been laid but it it doesn't really play much of a factor there's there's mining money to be made and there's a town which is inhabited almost exclusively by women because 83 men on this town died in a mine collapse or explosion they don't really say but there's a day they all died in the mine leaving a whole bunch of widows there's some other women in the show who are widows um kind of irrespective of the mine collapse like uh 
you know, well, one of the main characters, one of the main characters, Alice, Alice Fletcher, played by Michelle Dockery. She kind of lives at, at some remove from that town, right? Kind of yeah, there's one line. She's in rural La Belle, if you will. There, there, there's a line in the second um, episode that, you know, she was widowed twice before by the age of 21. Yeah. Um, yeah she's got a, the she's second got a one was tortured past. to a Paiute uh, um, man. And it's it's about these. It's about. I mean, I like I said, we're just talking about the first two episodes here. It, it it's unfolding somewhat slowly. Very slowly. Uh, you know, they don't. You're trying to figure out kind of where everyone um, sits in in the plot line. Yeah. I I just want to say this as a. I mean, we usually we talk about we we t- we only talk about shows we like, and I do like this show. I do want to say one thing I don't like. And it's it. not just this show. Okay. But it's about casting. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think I know where you're going. I don't think this show needs Jeff Daniels. I think he's distracting because hmm. every time I see him, I think of him in other roles. Dumb and dumber. He doesn't, yeah. Like he's doesn't really fit in this role all that well. I don't think he, I, I, I don't find him that believable of a tortured one armed, uh, uh, bandit, you know, outlaw who's got a posse of guys who follow him around. With this weird, vague religious air about him. Yeah, like that. he was raised by Mormons. Who, I mean, he, and we'll get into this because I think that's kind of an interesting subtext of the show, the religious part that's building. Yeah. But why Why not? Everyone's unknown except for Jeff Daniels, and you see him and you think Dumb and Dumber, and Michelle Dockery, and you see her, and um, you think Downton Abbey. Yeah. And they're, those they're so far out. Like, um, if I see Ed Harris in Westworld, like, okay, I've seen Ed Harris in Westerns before. And that's, I don't find it distracting. And you've seen Ed Harris in the history of violence, which is one of the greatest films. Yeah. I mean, Ed, and, and I've seen Ed Harris play a villain that's before. What I mean. like, yeah. And, and not just in there, but in, we can name multiple. I mean, he's also a hero in some movies, but he, we've seen him as a villain and we've yeah. seen him in Westerns. Yeah. I don't find it distracting. I don't know. I just think like sometimes with these, um, streaming services, when they're casting these shows, they're like, they're happy to cast an unknown in the leading role, but then they feel like they have to cast a couple well-known actors in supporting roles. I don't know if they think that'll get them in running for the Emmys or if that's going to get them, publicity that they wouldn't otherwise get or what but i that's i'm and i'm sure these casting directors struggle with that put a star in there and the supporting role and they have the potential of overshadowing the yeah. lead role well and speaking of i mean i think you you have I, I think obviously casting michelle dockery although she's she does okay in her role but i mean i think it is like hey people recognize her from downton abbey just as you said but the other lead, and as you've talked about with the villain of Frank Griffin, played by Jeff Daniels, you know, he he's kind of roaming this Western countryside and terrorizing these communities because he's chasing this guy. And that chase is really what introduces us to La Belle and all these other communities and stories and characters, right? So Frank Griffin's chasing this guy named Roy Good played by Jack O'Connell, who is a phenomenal actor. Oh, my gosh. I would, I would recommend two films to, to our listeners uh, that I think kind of came and went, probably missed a lot of people's, uh, kind of flew under a lot of people's radar. 
Uh, what it was in 2013, a film called Start Up, where he played a prisoner, um, and then 71, where he played, uh, I believe it was an Irish, like a cadet in the Irish army or whatever, and it's about the Troubles, right? And it takes place mm-hmm. over one night and Catholic Protestant divided Belfast, and it is as t- intense and tense a film as you'll mm-hmm. watch, and he's fantastic. I think he is utterly, completely and utterly miscast in this role um, and godless because his accent butchers. Uh, the scenes that he's in, right? He he can never have a consistent accent, American accent. He tries to go Southern, but, you know, it wouldn't have been odd to have somebody with a British accent at that time in America, right? No, it wouldn't have. Um, it, could, it could have had any accent, but he, but one that, the one that he's chosen is, is really distracted, despite, I think, his, his talents. As an actor. As yeah. an actor, yeah. otherwise. So, I'm with you um, on that. A little bit, a little note. And I do, I kind of agree with you about casting. And I just think there's so many actors who play uh, villains like that just scare the hell out of you. Um, and it's not Jeff Daniels. But again, we haven't finished it. We don't know if there's a payoff to this. Um, but at the moment, two episodes in, as you say, is uh, it's a little distracting. Yeah. So it's, I, I said Colorado. LaBelle is actually in. It, it opens in Creed, Colorado. LaBelle is over the border in New Mexico. Which is a um, great open opening scene. I mean, that you, you texted me. You're like the cold open on Godless, and it's it's insane. It's wicked. It's dark. It's so dark. Yeah. And, you know, it goes over this whole town of people dying and dead and, and a girl singing a hymn over her, you know, dead husband's body. And then it pans back to a child who's been lynched. Yeah. You know, the top of a water tower kind of deal. So, Tony, I want to know for a show like Godless, I feel like it begs the kind of conversation that you and I have. And with a title like that, I think it's fitting for a Western. And I want to say more about that from my perspective later. Um, But it doesn't feel like it's too on the nose. Um, But it's like we said before, the first two episodes in, it doesn't lean heavily uh, or lead too strongly with that religious, uh, with those religious themes. But so far, what do you? I mean, what do you see in that regard? Well, it, in the first episode, you have no idea why it, it's godless. Although Frank does wear a collar, which is kind of weird to me. I don't understand what that's kind of from wears, so far. It's right? kind of a pseudo it collar. A, it's okay. It, I I I wondered that too, and I think it's supposed to be kind of like reminiscent of a collar. Okay, but it's not an actual, you know. Uh, clerical collar you find we find out in the second episode frank um is as you said already he's wandering the countryside trying to track down his basically adopted son roy good which is a little odd you're trying to figure out what's the motivation well he did steal his money he did steal his money but he makes it clear that's not why he's going after yeah that's roy that's going after roy because he wants to basically beat roy and teach him like tough love the way, <laughs> yeah. he was ta- the way he was taught tough love. And then he goes on this long soliloquy in front of it's odd in front of this Norwegian family. And you don't even know if they can even under completely understand point, him. Right. They haven't even really spoken English yet. So you don't know. And he starts doing this long soliloquy about how he was journeying West with his family. Uh-huh. They were overrun by Mormons who were dressed up as Indians yep. who raped his sister in front of him and 
killed everyone in the family and then took him in as an orphan, raised him as their own. But And so now he's got this weird re- religious motivation, I would say. So this is, this is the thing that's interesting for me is how you take a genre show, they're trying to tell an interesting story, and they say, where are we going to find our motivation for our bad guy? Yeah. Religion. Some and twisted notion of it, right? Some twist, some religious people who profess to be one thing, but were in fact something else. Let's take the most clean cut, straight lace. They don't drink caffeine. They don't smoke cigarettes and, and make them the baddest of the bad guys, the Mormons in the wild west tony i wondered it was there a moment in history where something like that happened that they were kind of riffing on do you did I mean, you do i don't quick know search I, for that? I don't know of any i've studied a lot of american religious history i have never heard of terroristic mormons they're conservative mormons and they're obviously uh you know like the remember back the flds fundamentalist mormons and yeah. and they're and they you know had compounds with uh polygamy and things like this so i mean you could say bordering on kind of terroristic but nothing i've never heard of anything like that that's not to say it didn't happen that's not to say that in the wild lawless west that they weren't but you know westerns have always westerns have always played with this that the west was never as lawless and as wild west as that genre of, of you know of dime novels and and uh, you know, spaghetti westerns have, uh, would lead us to believe. Uh, there's something that you do a quick search on Google for. I just do Mormon massacre, and then uh, Mountain Meadows massacre and Mormon theology comes up pretty quickly. But it sounds to me like that Mormons were massacred the victims of themselves. The massacre. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. So yeah. I think it's interesting. It's fictionalized, but but I get it, and it's kind of driven Frank Griffin insane. In some ways, he's like criminally insane. Yeah. Now, sure. why are all these guys following him? That's maybe we'll get into Frank's. Maybe we'll get more into the posse of guys who follow him. Because what's interesting is when they're in Reno and they break into the uh, um, the house of the newspaper editor and publisher. He knows every guy in that. Yeah. In that posse. So it's kind of it's. It, so I think what that's telling us is. Frank has collected an all-star team of, of criminals, yeah. you know, and that's, that's who he's traveling with. The question is, do they agree with this psychotic religious ideology that Frank preaches to these? Or are they just pressured into it? To these Norwegians, you know? Yeah. And I, I love that the Norwegians, you know, the one time the Norwegians stand up to him, well, there's two times— then the, one of the Norwegian men says, you know, this, you know, this is not the God, the God you're, this is not God. The person you're talking about is not God. This is not God. Right. Well, and I, then, then his naked wife comes out and, and like fires off a couple rounds at the guys and seems like she doesn't hit anybody before she's wrestled to the ground. As Frank has already shamed those men, too, because he comes out with, I think, a pretty strong line, which is why aren't one of you dead or at least beat up? Yeah. Yeah. Why, like, why don't you fight? Dead? defend yeah, your you know one of the things i i think because he wakes up let's just say when he when he says that he's woken up after sleeping with one of their wives and he wakes up from a crazy dream in which he's the dream is of that 
abduction, you know, uh, when he was abducted after he, after his family was killed. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to touch on something that I guess why I like the Western genre genre and when they're not just simply, well, even the, uh, John Wayne and John Ford had their, uh, had their importance, but when it's something like this and while, while so far it, it, I don't think it's delivering on the premise, you know, because they're marketing this as a story about this town with no men in it, right? And that's hardly the driving force of the series. Right. But Frank, I, I do think his soliloquy about the kingdom of the locust, right, is, yeah, is a good yeah. entryway into kind of the conversations you and I like to have about television. And now we can kind of expand this to bring in kind of genre studies as well, because while the the actual Wild West of America may not mirror its kind of cinematic portrayals or its kind of televised portrayals, it's still a foundational narrative to our politic and our culture. Yeah, and I yeah. think this invites some some reflection. And it seems to me that it is a truth, uh, even when it's played in its Wild West. When it plays with those Wild West motifs of vengeance and violence, um, and I would say sacrilegious portrayals of religion and spirituality, that is actually where we are as a society. Um, And it looks far more like what uh, uh, Frank is saying than anything that our kind of contemporary pastors preach, right? And so for Frank, it's a very Old Testament portrayal of God, it's one that's driven by revenge. It's one that's driven also by some sort of confusion, like yeah. because he says to that to that community, that small Norwegian family, the same God that made you and me made the rattlesnake, and that just doesn't yeah. make any sense, you know. And that there's this ability to question that, um, but there's no there's no Jesus stuff. There's no place for that, and I don't know that there's place for that in American and And, and, I'm, and I must say that's that, that was the most kind of theologically stupid thing uh, in, in the dialogue. It, it makes no sense that the God who made us made the rattlesnake. Why? why? What, what's nonsensical about that? Why like do you, the, why some do you, of the dialogue was a little ham-handed. Like, why? Because people are bad and snakes are bad? Or, like, if he would have then gone on to talk about, like, some twisted... Well, I think, in the, I think in his case, that line is you're talking about a time and a place where the rattlesnake was certain death for anybody that was attacked by it. And so if God made these creatures, humans, that God supposedly loved so much, why also to create the rattlesnake that's only purpose at that point was seemingly to uh, be nothing but a chief cause of death for anyone that it touched? To me, that seems like a could be, at that point in time, a very theologically problematic experience. And we'd already seen Roy shoot the rattlesnake that was going to. Yeah. I, okay. Maybe, but I'm, I don't know. I didn't get it because here, 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 the guy saying this is someone who's killed far more people than an any rattlesnake. Sure. You know, like he's, he's way more evil than a serpent or whatever. So I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't love that, but but what, do, do you see attention? But do you see attention in the Western genre? Because every every Western is full of gun toting, shoot first, ask questions later, kind of c- citizens and you know uh, legal figures, whether they're marshals or sheriffs or whatever, and by and also with pastors or preacher figures who 
apparently have no problem with all of this killing that's taking place around them. And granted, you said, again, to repeat, that's that may not necessarily have been the way the Wild West was, but that as a genre, those tropes have been part of a, of a driving narrative. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing about the Western is sometimes it plays a little bit too much in the white hat, black hat. Of course. Deal. And I mean, I think when there was the real renaissance of Westerns, when was this? 20 years ago now. You know, um, you Maybe had longer. like Clint Eastwood, you had like Silverado and you had, um, what's the one where Clint Eastwood plays the preacher and people were building much more moral ambiguity into Western, the Western genre. Yeah. And, and I found that, you know, what's, a, totally what's an example of a show that a show that's done no, that? Not, not a show, but like for you, what's an example of a film or, a, or a series that ha, of the Western genre, that's kind of been a benchmark for you in that. Okay. Think about that. That's a fine question. Th- think about unforgiven 1992 Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Plays, plays Will Money, who's retire, retired from, you know, gunslinging to be a pastor. Yeah. And then reluctantly like goes to his safe deposit box and gets his gun out and puts his preaching duds in and, you know, goes back and it, it, it just shows this, it, it shows a great deal of moral ambiguity and it also doesn't glorify the violence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it like violence is wicked in that film. And then there was a, just in the nineties, there were all those Westerns that had that same, you know, did that same thing over and over again. Well, we could talk about being, we can return to this uh, conversation about religion. Cause I know it's going to, I've, I've looked ahead. I've watched, like I said, one or two more episodes than you. And there are some other themes that, that bring this to the forefront and we can revisit that. Um, okay. And I can, I can, one or two recordings. Well, I think, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see where this series goes in the, in the next five episodes, but with, with a name like godless, you would hope that's not just a name for the shock value of it, yeah. but that they're actually playing with religious, spiritual, theological themes. We've seen it a little bit in episode two, for sure. I mean, I would have been interested to see like, compared to Frank's psychotic religion, how the Norwegians that he was holding hostage, like, are they Lutheran? I wanted to see them like start singing a Lutheran hymn in Norwegian or something, you know, like relying on their faith. Cause back then, you know, in the West, all, all these settlers were on the frontier were, were religious, were deeply, deeply religious. Well, that's an interesting point that you bring up and that not many Westerns of any type have, have shown that kind of diversity and complexity of that experience, right? It's always been, as you yeah. said earlier, that uh, good and evil, yeah. you know, white hat, black hat kind of thing, and that it's okay. far more complex than that. There's one more thing before we go that I want to talk, just bring up, and we can talk about this because I'm sure it, it's a thread that keeps running through. But it's another place where there's some ambiguity, which is always what I look for in, in these series, which I think is the most interesting. Yeah. And this is about gender ambiguity and yeah. the, way, the way that Mary Agnes is looked down upon uh-huh. because she's taken to wearing men's clothes. She acts like a man. Because her unquote. husband died in the mine. She's, t- she's gone back to her... Um, you know, her maiden name, um, because she said her husband's been dead for two years. Why she be lugging his name around? Yeah. Um, 
and she's taking a quote unquote masculine role in episode two in trying to say we can run, we can handle this mine, we can run this, we don't need men to come and rescue us. Now, I want to say all this also acknowledging that there's been some controversy around this show. Okay. Because people have counted up and over the seven episode run, there are 50, it's, it's a town of all women. Uh-huh. 50% of the spoken dialogue in the series is by men in a town of all women. Yep. And it's a problem. Uh, it's a problem. And the fact that when you go to the credits, there's no men listed as writers on the writing no team. No women. No women. You mean. I mean, no, no women in, in a town of all men. It's, it's, it's all, um, it's in a town of all women. The writing crew is all men. So in, especially as you and I are recording this right in the midst of, I mean, on the day we're recording this, my Senator Al Franken had a press conference in which he apologized again yep. for, you know, what, for what he's done and the, the way he's treated women and things like this. And John Conyers had to step down this weekend. Yeah. From his judiciary post. I think that's why the it's show's not delivering. I think that's why the show's not also creatively. I think that's why the show's not delivering on the promise of its premise, right? That yeah. the yeah. very thing that would make this show unique is being undermined behind the scenes by a lack of that same inclusion, right? Or focus. Yeah. When you look at the producers, two of the seven are women. Um, and you can't, I don't see writer's credits on IMDb, but I, Most of you the know, episodes, the first two episodes I believe are written and directed by men. And then when you look at, um, yeah, you, I probably have to look at individual episodes to see that. But what, then when you look at shows like Transparent or something like that, where they've made concerted effort to. Yeah, yeah. Or Orange is the New Black, where they're like using female directors, female writers, female producers, like and I'm sure all the way down into all the other credited roles, too, they're doing the same thing. So it's just something do I am going to be interested to follow the character of Mary Agnes and see how she's accepted in Oh, you got a, you've got a couple things that are going to play right into what you're talking about in episodes three and four. All right. Well, that's yeah. a good place for us to leave it then to talk about. Yeah, you'll definitely that'll be first on your list next week when we talk about the All next right. two episodes for sure. Well, it's a good show. It's and a we good got show more, so far. Five more episodes left to decide if it's a great show. That's true. That's a good. Yeah. 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 All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Killer Serials. We uh, I'm, we're glad to be back. Just in I time missed, to take another break for the Christmas holidays. Missed, I missed hearing Ryan's velvet tones you in did. my ear. Yeah. And uh, thanks for downloading us on your phone and listening to us while you walk your dog. All right. Thanks, we'll see everybody. you next week. Bye-bye. Christ is the power in my There's 83 good men. He is the power. Gone less than five minutes. It's a fearful thing to love what death can touch. Where are all the men at? Yeah, Bond took them. All of them. How has the town fared without any men around? Someone's gotta look after things around here. A town full of ladies. Bang, bang. It's ripe fruit for the wicked. Bang, bang. Frank Griffin's been looking for Roy Good. 
He's going to kill anyone that Roy Good loves or cares about. The good people of Creed let him walk their streets. Now they don't have no streets. When he finds out who's living here, God help you folks. Mister, we're a lot fucking stronger than you think we are. Something I gotta finish. I'm bad luck. We have that in common, man. This here's the land of the bleeding rough. It's godless country. Let's all talk about this like civilized folks. Sure, come on in. I suggest we all first lower our weapons. Whoa.